Greetings, my nerds, and welcome to the Northwest Nerd Podcast, where we cover pop culture, science, and technology with a Pacific Northwest focus. My name is Nick Jarin. And I am dire mother of dragons, Oxley. On today's magazine episode, uh, in the news section, we go around the Northwest. We're really giving you all the geography today. We've got stories out of Vancouver, out of Portland, out of Olympia, Washington. We're all over the place. Uh, we will get into that and some national news as well because there's a Joker trailer out. And believe it or not, Dyer and I are very divided on it. <laughs> Plus, if you're lucky, I will get into my Avengers Endgame fatigue. After that, Dyer will take us down to Renton, Washington, just south of Seattle here, where they are getting a brand spanking new, beautiful, just the most beautiful dragon I've ever seen that they're putting right in their downtown. Uh, Dyer talked to the people behind it, and we will have that story for you. Just a little shorter feature than usual this week. And then after that, we will talk a little bit more about some of the things going on this weekend with that dragon. There's an event coming up on Saturday for it that you can hear all about later on in this episode. So with that, let's get to the news. All right, Dyer, let's get into the news this week. And up first, we have a little bit of a combination food and drink news and nerd news by way of Portland, by way of Seattle and Bellevue. I'm going to give credit to uh, Portland Eater, who uh, brought this to my attention a little, little bit like last month or so, but a little bit of a Portland-Seattle combination news spanning the differences between the two cities that seem to like to pick on each other quite a bit. Um, but Cafe Mox. Everybody's I don't feel like that goes both ways. but I feel like it goes a little bit. Here's the problem. Seattle keeps wanting to say, hey, Portland's like our little brother or sister yeah. or something like that. And Portland's like, F you. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're our own city. Um, maybe, maybe it's my proximity to the, 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 the you're our little brother people, but I feel yeah. like Seattle is way more worried about Portland than Portland is worried about Seattle. Portland really doesn't care about Seattle. See, exactly. But, but Seattle, like, they need to have, like, this, this superiority thing that, like... I think that's true. Yeah. I, just real quick, the, the difference, I think, in my, in my personal opinion, having lived in both cities, Seattle is very much like when you meet somebody in Seattle and you shake their hand and say, hey... You know, I'm so-and-so. They'll immediately be like, oh, what do you do? And there's kind of like this assessment that goes on of like, mm. you know, where do you live? What's kind of your apartment? Can you afford to live in the city or not? Are you in the tech scene or not? Um, they're kind of gauging your almost, I don't want to say class level, but that's essentially kind of that's what's exactly going what on. Doing. Yeah, and and so that there is a little bit of that, and they're kind of like, you know, how much up to snuff, how how hip in the boutique sense are you? And in Portland, the exact same thing happens, only it's like, how much vinyl do you own? What's your high score on Medieval Madness? You know, have you gone to this secondhand store? Like, it's it's more of the fun stuff. Mm. And I think that's a little bit different in mentality. When you come to Seattle, dare I say it's a little more East Coast. I know people are going to freak out on me for saying that. But it's a, li- it's a little bit more like, you know, well, you know, did you properly get yourself uh, prepared for that career? And millennials can't make it in the city, or they can make it in the city. And by golly, like it's a little bit more like that. <laughs> Whereas uh, in Portland, I do agree that the city is yeah. much more business oriented. It, it is uh, so business, so well business oriented that Seattle's favorite uh, boarding house for games, Mox Boarding House, 
which has two locations up here, Seattle in Ballard and in Bellevue, mm-hmm. um, are now expanding into Portland, which I think is a perfect place for them to expand into. I think Portland is a perfect place for this. Might even do better there than here, I may dare say. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Mox Boarding House has nailed down 10,000 square feet of space near Providence Park. For those who can't keep up with all the name changes of that stadium, that is where the Timbers play. Um, once was PGE Park, then it was Jeldwen. It's a disgusting name. Still a funny name. Providence Park is what it is now. So this is on the west side of uh, Portland. Kind of towards if you've been like 23rd, that kind of fun place to walk around and uh, shop. So um, the menu's going to be different. They know that. And anybody who's been to Mox up here, you know that like in Bellevue, you can't get nachos. But in Ballard, you can get certain other stuff and maybe a little bit more coffee. Bellevue, have you been to the Bellevue one yet? I've never been to the Bellevue one. Bellevue one is fascinating. I don't make it to the east side very often. You can totally tell that they kind of took what they did in in Ballard and created like, okay, now we're going to really have fun. Because like they have secret rooms that's like the speakeasy room or they have like the apothecary room or the library. And then it's it's just a mega structure of gaming in there that is is cool. And then the main bar area is very, like, Gatsby-themed, you Mm. know. Total different feel than the Ballard one. Yeah, that sounds pretty different. Which is very, like, like more nerdy McMinimins, you know. (laughs) That's such a good good description of it, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I cannot wait to see what they do for Portland because, you know... Probably a more nerdy McMinimins. Honestly, even more. But the thing is, they go in and they they kind of tailor their stuff to where they're at. So, I mean, in Portland, they they they're not gonna you know box themselves in. Um, it would be really interesting to see what they do there. So, anyway, I think it's super cool, especially having uh just reported on that nerdiest spot in the Belmont neighborhood, the nerd out. Yeah. Total pub feel. Um, but you were there. Total like pub but probably not going to bring out a lot of board games and you know do that kind of thing. they did have a board game shelf but i didn't see anybody accessing it you really. could totally do it yeah. but the way mox does it with just totally spreading out oh yeah it's a whole other level you can do yeah. a dnd campaign there so very interesting to see what they do with that niche portland speaking as somebody who has lived in both cities this is a very cool thing uh it's definitely someplace I'm going to hang out there when I go to Rose City Comic Cons in the future. Yeah, it'd have to be for the next one because this is slated to open uh, late this year, correct? Yeah, I think winter. winter? So, yeah, winter, something like that. Cool. <clears throat> nice. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's, that covers uh, Portland. Let's hop back up here over to Olympia <laughs> because there is a bill in the state Senate. And you know from time to time here on Northwest Nerd, we like to nerd out about possible laws. <laughs> We've done it from time to time. <laughs> I call them my vegetable news stories, and Di really true. enjoys that. This is true. And, uh, we just got some meat. We just now get, get your fiber. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get your uh, your riboflavin and your other your other things that you can only get from plants. Really, actually, I don't know that. I don't know what riboflavin is. I shouldn't. Have, I should have gone with something else. Lutein. That's Lutein? actually in broccoli. Yeah, it's like green okay. veggies. That's that's. Chlorophyll? That's in those ones. It's More in tomatoes. like borophyll. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to stop talking about vegetables for real. I think what you were trying to say, Nick, is that uh, earlier this year, the governor's office made this announcement about how they were going to start a broadband office. And that was a little bit curious to people. Like, what do you mean by a broadband 
office. Well, now it's rolling through the uh, session that's currently going on down there in Olympia. And the broadband office is essentially trying to equalize the access to Internet across the state. And they have a particular approach to it that you were explaining to me a bit ago because you're smarter than me on this. Yeah, so the digital divide is really an economic issue. And, like, if you don't have access to, to, it, to the Internet or, like, usable Internet at least with, with, with a modern browser – and a, and a computer that can actually use a modern browser and yeah. can can run websites, then you're just at such a disadvantage for any number of things, including just finding and getting a job. Like yeah. this is a this is a serious issue that I think that a lot of people forget about because most of us are used to having the internet. If you're listening to this show right now, you probably have reliable internet because otherwise, like kudos to you for going to your public library. And downloading this podcast and then listening to it, however you listen to it, I don't know. We live on the internet, um, so this, so this is an issue that's that's incredibly important. And what they're trying to do with this bill, um, and and I'm gonna look at GeekWire's breakdown here because I like the way that they broke this down to some key provisions. So number one on the list that the, that they put together was that this bill would establish a competitive grant and loan program to fund broadband infrastructure projects. Now, what that means is that they want to incentivize uh, internet service providers, your your wave cables, whatevers, uh, to go out there and build the infrastructure so that they can get to more homes and uh, more communities that maybe don't already have broadband. Why is broadband in particular important? Because you can get dial-up pretty much anywhere if you really want to, or you can get like one of those terrible services. Like uh, <laughs> I was about to name actual companies, but maybe I won't. Um, the only thing that I like, honestly, whenever I think of dial-up, I just think of like AOL. Like, yeah, that's exactly. The only that was over twenty years ago, right? I mean, that's the level we're, we're operating. Yeah, at. that's yeah. how far in the past people are living right now in some places <laughs> in terms of internet access, and it's bad. So, what they want to do is incentivize companies to go out there and build this stuff so that it'll be in place and they can reduce the digital divide. My problem with that as the main mechanism for how they want to uh, reduce the digital divide is that you're going to have to give pretty hefty grants to these companies in order to get them to go out there and do this. Like yeah. eventually once the infrastructure is there, they basically have a constant money flow because if internet's there, you can charge pretty much whatever you want to, to these people who increasingly whoever moves out there is going to want to have the internet bullet point two here uh reading again from the GeekWire breakdown of this bill is that it establishes a statewide broadband office under the governor to serve as the nerve center for broadband planning in the state basically they're the office that would uh dole out the grants yeah um, and the loans which and the the loans and uh weigh the bids and decide which communities are going to target for broadband expansion uh i'm just going to zoom through these other uh key provisions in here as well it's also going to set a goal for set a goal for providing high-speed broadband to all Washington residences and businesses by 2024. That's actually fairly ambitious. And it would empower the state to regulate rates, terms, and conditions of telecommunications providers. And this is the other provision that I really wanted to talk about because, Dyer, you think that this entire bill is actually a backdoor into... I I think it's... I don't know if backdoor is the right way, but that might actually be a good 
Like good step word one, for it. maybe. So here's it. There's a large. There's a larger debate going on in um, Washington right now, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in Olympia. Like I said, in Kitsap, where I previously reported, there's a huge debate for this with KPUD. Um, KPUD has put down a bunch of fiber wire trunk lines all up and down, but uh, through a combination of you know, whether or not people agree they should be doing this, their customers or government regulation allows them to do this. Uh, there is some preventive measures of actually having government provide this as a utility. That's the conversation. If you live in Seattle right now, you've probably heard of something called Upgrade Seattle, which does this on the municipal level. They want a municipal broadband, the city to provide internet, just like they would water or Seattle City Light provides electricity. Um, there's an argument right now for internet being as much of a necessity to daily life as a utility. What is like electricity? Imagine doing your life without le- electricity, without the plumbing that comes along. Those are things that Very are under difficult. the government purview. I would actually argue, without trying to piss too many people off, the telephone line is highly regulated by the government, and we had a whole New Deal long, long time ago that basically tried to get out electricity and telephone lines because these were necessities um, as utilities to our daily life. How many people you see with a landline going on these days? Yeah. How many people do you see getting internet through like their cable company or somebody else these days? Internet's probably more of a utility than the telephone is at this point. So, I mean, there's a strong argument I think that could be made. And if the governor has his own broadband office for this and empowers them to regulate rates and terms. I think that's a pretty strong foot in the door of bringing in a public utility for the internet. That's that's where I think this might be inching its way into. It's not a full push into it, but I think it kind of might be heading in that direction. I think, and I, I don't care if people get pissed off about this because <laughs> I'm not you. Um, but I think that the internet should be a, it should be a public utility, like this should mm-hmm. everybody should have equal access to it. Um, we should be able to access whatever we want on it at the maximum speeds allowable, and that should be that. Yeah, that, this that is, is, this an, is an issue of equality. It that and it's an issue of I think the just daily operation of society. Like I said, how many people out there right now are relying on their landline? And how many people are relying on internet? Yeah. I don't have a landline telephone at home. I, don't, I haven't had one for years. I haven't needed it. I've never paid for a landline. Right. I have internet. Yeah. You know, and when the snow, you know, came in, what, like a month or two ago, mm-hmm. I and I had to work from home, I was able to do that because I had internet at home, you know. Uh, so I think there's a very I think there's a very strong argument. What they're really going to have to go through is a lot of just regulation that's been built up for a private industry right now that they're going to have to kind of cut through and figure out how to reconfigure law to align with a public utility or at least get the option for public utilities. You know, um, the electrical utilities have had kind of debates about this for years now because there's public electric utilities and there's private electric utilities. In Seattle, we have a public one, but if you just step right outside Seattle and you do uh, Puget Sound Energy, that's a private company. So um, there's been kind of debates like that. Uh, you can even have, I think, a very similar dynamic with that with Internet. Like if people wanted to get together and get a public utility together um, – seems like there should be an avenue or a 
structure in place for them to do that just as easily as they can uh, an electric utility. Well, let's continue to go around the region. We also have some Vancouver, B.C. news as well. And this is one that you brought my brought to my attention, so I, uh, I hand it off back to I you. Actually, I was super excited about this. I didn't get to talk about a uh, study that came out of the uh, B.C. Creative, which is essentially the um, British Columbia's film industry. It's more like it's not just film industry. It's music and arts and all that kind of stuff. But they keep a lot of data on the industry and how well it does over the last year. A lot of nerdy tidbits of information in there. And uh, we kind of blew past it over the last couple months. But luckily for us, Canadian Media Producers Association released its own report. Now, this is for all of Canada, which not all of the Canada is in the Northwest, for those who are not familiar with the geography of the world. It's gigantic. However, what's interesting in this, there's a lot of interesting points, but this is the one that's interesting. For years now, Canada's been building up its film industry for a lot of reasons. And you've known that we've talked about BC, Vancouver, and its film industry kind of ramping up. Let's take a trip back in time, about 10 years, 2008, 2009. British Columbia had just over about 1,300 film projects going on at that time. Now, Ontario, which is Toronto, um, 1,900. Right, a little over 1900, and it's been that way for years. Toronto's really been kicking butt when it comes to the film industry. But over it's a great stand in for New York, it is. Or, uh, oh, yeah, no, it was New York because the one film I can think of is Rumble in the Bronx, the Jackie Chan film. <laughs> when you're watching New York, and all of a sudden there's all these mountains in the background, but um, it's from all the rumbling, <laughs> exactly. Um, over the years, you can kind of see these numbers, and there's a great um, article on this if you actually want to see some really good graphics in Venture Vancouver um, the numbers are just climbing up and climbing up finally you get to 2013 it's about 1600 in Vancouver and about 2400 in Toronto they were going back up to last year last year 2016 and 17 is what I mean by last year we had uh, 2966 in BC and 3031 in Ontario this year it wasn't even like an, an evening. Just BC blew past it like like a roadrunner. I'm, I'm really failing to think of a really good example of this. But they uh, they really they really went crazy on this. Race past it like Gendry trying like, to get back to the wall. There you go. <laughs> Thrones reference. Little over 3,500 in BC and a little about 2,900 in Ontario. I know that's Dang. a lot of numbers. Yeah. But it just explains they they were kind of just, you know, edging up a little bit, a little bit further, a little bit further. And over the last like couple years, it was that I would call that an explosion. That's not just passing someone in a race. That is a full on rocket past them um, right now. Um, B.C. accounts uh, for about a 40 percent share of Canada's total production. Canada's total production is about $8.9 billion. The gross domestic product just from the film industry is about $12.8 billion. 40% of that is coming out of B.C. You think they'll be okay when Supernatural wraps up? Supernatural adds $8 million to the local economy Are you every serious? Year. Um, someone call and correct me on that, but there was an article that did essentially a case study of just one show yeah. in uh, BC. And Supernatural 
was in the millions. I want to say eight is the number that's popping out at me right now. Um, from just, you know, the production itself, shooting on site, everybody that they hire, it is one show producing millions and millions of, of revenue and economic activity throughout the region. Um, and they have so many shows up there. Yeah, they have a lot of shows up there. Do you have a number for like production costs or anything similar to that? I didn't see production costs. Year? What I did see, though, is, um, well, just side note, foreign film investment in the region is about $5.6 If you look at that at $8.9 billion, that's a lot of our, in my assumption, that's a lot of Hollywood dollars going north. Five point six billion investing, and you probably have some, you know, outside the U.S. coming as well. Um, just over the last year, though, that was a nineteen percent increase than previous years. Uh, that's a lot of foreign investment hopping into there. Um, all said and done, BC is really kicking butt right now. I just want to throw in one other side note here. How much of this is Netflix money? A lot. Well, I don't. Well. They, like, I feel well, like a lot of the they Netflix filmed a lot of those are... in Toronto too. I think uh, yeah, that's a true. lot of the Marvel stuff they filmed in Toronto. The thing is, I saw a news article recently. It was on EW.com. So maybe I use the word news loosely. It's maybe well, it's Entertainment Weekly. It's Entertainment Weekly. That's right. I have no scoops. I have no reason to be snobby yeah. for that. That's on me. They get some scoops. Hallmark films a lot in that area. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hallmark uh is What's their movies that they do? Like every Christmas movies. Exactly. Okay. Hallmark has ordered a record number of brand new holiday films for 2019. How many do you think they're doing? This is a of, record of high. just new ones. Just brand new Hallmark films that they're just going to crank out this year and put them out. I mean, in they already have so many. How many more could they want to buy? Like, like, like a record number. A record a number. A record number. All time high for them. One year. I had assumed that they produce like one new one every year because they have such a back catalog, but you're shaking your head, so I'm going to say they're making 20? 40. 40? They are 40 new movies. 40 new Christmas movies. 40 new uh, Hallmark movies for the uh, Hallmark Channel and the network. uh, Its sister channel has Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, which I've never really seen before. Um, Hmm. So... Across two channels, um, the previous high was set in 2018, which explains why I kept hearing it from everybody around me about this Hallmark cult that's been going on. They had 38 films last year. Dang. Um, 40. And I think a lot of those are filmed in Vancouver. Yeah. All right? So Absolutely. I would not be surprised if a lot of this economic activity or things like Hallmark, I'm blaming it all on Hallmark. Hallmark is what put Vancouver over <laughs> and the mark. And DC, yeah. Like pretty much all the DC shows are filmed in Vancouver. I think it just goes to show that if you at least plant seeds and start investing, because the seeds for Vancouver, BC, and this industry were not planted too long ago when you think about it. Mm-hmm. The 1990s, when the X-Files hit, and then you got SG-1, yep. and all, Battlestar Galactica, this kind of snowball. Older than some of our listeners. Exactly, <laughs> This snowballed, you know, and now you have this. Washington has been getting a lot of crap from a lot of corners for the fact that they are not investing in their film industry. If anything, they're trying to, like, limit it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can't put all your economic eggs into just, like, let's say three baskets. 
tech, Boeing, and agriculture, right? So you can't just throw it all there. That and we have such stunning locations. I right. uh, we just passed, I think, the twenty fifth anniversary for Ten Things I Hate About You. So my girlfriend and I watched it the other night, and holy crap, the settings! Mm-hmm. Like some of the some of the shots that they get are just magnificent, and it's the type of thing that you can't really recreate in LA or even in Vancouver. Like even Vancouver doesn't have quite the vistas that we have here. Like, That's it's the thing ridiculous. is ridiculous how thing, great of a location this is to film in. When I was talking to folks down in Oregon, it was the same thing. Oregon can be a lot of things. So can Washington. When you go to the mm-hmm. east side of this state, it looks nothing like the west side of this looks state. Looks like Z Nation. When you go to the northeast side, looks nothing like the southeast side. Like it's true. This is a very diverse geography that we got going on here. And yeah, I think there could be an argument made that there's a lot of filming that can happen, especially on the east side. I know I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like I think like nothing is going on on the east side. <laughs> I know Ellensburg. I know, uh, you know, the Tri Cities exist, but you know, there's a lot of stuff. I, mean, I just shouted out Z Nation. Out exactly, Z Nation. So. But they need more than Z Nation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, insane. also on the east side, uh, Lilac Comic Con. Lilac City, Lilac Comic Con. Lilac City Comic Con, for those who are unaware, that's the nickname of Spokane, the Lilac City. That's nice. And yeah, do we have some news involved with that? We do have a little news. Uh, Dyer and myself will be at Lilac City Comic Con uh, June 1st and 2nd yep. it's in Spokane. We will be there. If you're a listener who's already out there, cool. Come and see us. Right. We'll have a table there. I'm sure we'll have some some Northwest nerd goodies that we can give to people who come and say hi. And uh, yeah, should be a good time. Um, very good time. You know what is also a good time? This show. Yes. And aside <laughs> from the show, what else is a good time? A good old dose of comedy via stand-up comedians, which seems to be the basis. For the new Joker film that's coming out, that was a four-part segue into the next story. Wait, you—he's not a stand-up comedian in this movie. I think he is. That's my theory. That's why I was confused by that entire segue. Like this doesn't even make sense. I'm here's the deal. I think the Joker trailer that we just saw with Joaquin Phoenix is essentially taking. Um, the old Red Hood story that's not been told too much mm-hmm. about kind of like this really... Except in the animated Red Hood movie, but yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, out of all the Joker no stories, how much do we, you know, it's not the no Jack one Nicholson that. one. Yeah. Um, guy who's a little bit nerdy, not very successful in life, failure as a comedian, um, and, you know, essentially gets gets beat up by society. Um Brain snaps, goes totally nuts, becomes psychotic, and that's how we get the Joker. Um, it seems to me that this Joker film, whether that's fully that story or just taking hints of it, is going in that direction. I'm, I'm going to say this right out of the bat. I've talked to people that did not like this trailer. They're not happy with it. I'm actually kind of excited about it quite a bit. What was your impression? Man... See, this is why this is a recurring problem for me. Joaquin Phoenix is way too old to be playing the Joker. Okay, interesting. He's I, way too old to be playing the Joker, no, why man. Why do you say that? Because, well, number one, this is a period piece as well. It's taking place in like the 70s, 80s. I don't think Can't quite is. tell from people's fashion. But yeah. it doesn't seem like modern day anyway. Because mm-hmm. um, no one has a phone. Um, and the fashion. I, I just can't quite place like when this the, is supposed to happen, but it cars, seems like it's the past. Yeah. Um. And the Joker, especially if you're going to tell an origin story, 
my favorite version of the Joker is that he is inexplicably tied to Batman. He is a mirror image. He is uh, the, the antithesis to Batman. And how you do a Joker story with like a child Batman probably making a cameo and not really being an important person in the psyche of this this deranged person. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you do that story. And I, I trust Joaquin Phoenix to act the hell out of this thing. Yeah. Like he's a great actor, but I don't trust the the creative team behind it at all. Okay. Uh directed and co-written by Todd Phillips. Okay. Let me just give you some of his credits. All right. You're gonna um The Hangover. Okay. The Hangover 2. Okay. The Hangover 3. Okay. Uh a forthcoming untitled Hulk Hogan biopic. Starsky and Hutch, the remake with uh with uh uh Owen Wilson and uh Ben Stiller in it. Old school. I do not, not cr- a lot I of do faith. not trust that at all, okay. man. And and who wrote Joker it? Joker clearly is asking you to take it seriously. Right. Between the musical choice in the in the trailer, um the casting of Joaquin Phoenix in the lead, like a, a very serious actor who was so serious into his acting that he did the whole uh uh remember remember he went when, off to be a hip hop artist or something like that. Well no, he did that he did it fake. Yeah. He he yeah. acted in a documentary basically. Yeah. Like he committed to just a public breakdown because he wanted to act that badly. Yeah. Um like I I trust Joaquin Phoenix. I don't trust anything else going on with this so movie. So we have on one hand that side, but on the other, you're right. On the other hand, I don't think Joaquin Phoenix would go the route of getting himself in a bad acting situation. I feel like he has. He's done a lot of movies, man, and they're all not good. Or they're not all good. They're not all good. <laughs> okay. Not all not good. I know. I feel like good. he has a certain integrity with what he does. I mean, even let's just say he goes his most pop sensation, which was like what? The Johnny Cash film? Like or Gladiator, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but even those weren't terrible. I mean, Gladiator. I mean, Gladiator's just, great. Yeah, I liked it when it was called Braveheart. It's very um, early two thousands. <laughs> it is, but uh, yeah, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix, I do have a little bit more faith in. I might agree with you on that, and and how that looks. I think though, the impression I get from this, and from everything that I'm hearing in the background of Hollywood and DC, is that we are getting another Batman film. But uh, little, not much is known about it. The only thing that I've heard about is the Batman we're gonna get, and I hope this is so true. I so hope this is true. Is a detective, the detective Batman that, nice. that we never get. People forget Batman came first in Detective Comics. He was a detective first, and then he put on the cowl later. If we get that, the very noir esque detective. I think that lines up with this Joker that they're giving us. And if they're smart about it, they could be setting themselves up for something that has done much, uh, probably gives us something much better than what we've got before, which is not reliving, uh, you know, the Waynes dying again and watching a whole origin story happen again. If the Joker kills the Waynes in this movie, I'd, we riot. It's ridiculous. I would even accept that, but adding <laughs> adding the Joker as our entry point into Gotham um, is, I think, much better than just trying to follow Batman again. Think about this. If they do this smart, they could have a Joker film, then they can have a Batman film, and then they could have a Robin film, and they can have themselves like a trilogy of films mm. that each take a different aspect of Gotham and, and, and kind of have a, its own succinct unit. 
Yeah. You know, there is a turning point in the trailer where uh, everything seems very, very personal, very focused on the Joker mm-hmm. and, and his, his whatever journey he's going through. And then it pivots towards like, there's something wrong with Gotham and I got to do something yeah. about it. And I was like, wait, where did that come from? Well, I think that speaks to your antithesis thing. Because remember in the trailer, there's a there's a moment where somebody says, you know, what kind of individual does this in a mask? Mm. You know, that's a Batman. So we don't know if he's talking about Batman. We don't know if he's talking about the Joker. Because Well, there's a child much. Batman cast in this thing, and I don't think there's like an adult Batman cast in it. Real? Okay, so that might speak more to your prediction then, yeah. that, that Batman is a child. By the um, way, also on the cast, Zazie Beetz and Brian Tyree Henry from Atlanta. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. See, Love seeing them in there's things. There's actors that are in this that they've also been in their share of bad things. Okay, alrighty. I I don't know. I I think this gives me a little bit more faith in in what this film could be. You do have some very good points. <laughs> I can't take away. I have no argument for those. I mean, I'm arguing from the clearly more cowardly position of yeah. this thing's probably going to be bad. Well, it's more likely that I'll bet, be right than you'll be right. Like I'm I'm not trying to score points here. If you're I'm gonna just bet saying on a DC I'm not film, excited about this thing. <laughs> if you're going to bet on a DC film, that's a safe bet. I'm excited about it, and yeah. I could be setting myself up for disappointment. Let me ask you one other final question about this, though, because mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with someone who's super into comic books, and they hated this for reasons that we have not discussed. Mm-hmm. The Joker is a terrible person. Yes. In in whatever rendition you have of him. Yeah. This person felt that adding any sort of human dynamic or sympathy, if you will, towards this person, he doesn't want to see it. This hmm. person's a bad person. It's an evil person. You, no, it's enough to just let him be exactly evil. just yeah. you I, he doesn't want to see him you know being bullied on a subway he doesn't want to see him going through like a mental sad breakdown or that he has a relationship with his mother and, and maybe that makes him a sweetheart somehow he doesn't want to see any of that not every villain has to be an anti-hero right yeah and in this case you know i actually didn't get any of that from the, this trade i didn't get that at all i mean clearly he's he's gone through things that you wouldn't wish on anybody but i didn't think that it was sympathetic to him at all that's all seems to me from the red hood but honestly the you know the vibe that i got from this trailer if anything Hmm. was like son of sam or Hmm. like bundy like somebody that people saw elsewhere and didn't have the wherewithal but uh of who this person was but then you find out later that there was this monster within that skin you know, and I—that's I, the feeling I got, and I kind of like that approach to it. Almost, it almost makes me more scared of the Joker than any other Joker that we've seen, which has been more—we've seen a lot of gangster Jokers, I think. You know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. The Nicholson one, right, especially comes to mind. I—it's just so hard for anybody to do this post Heath Ledger, right? Like, it's such an iconic take on the character that I'm not sure how anybody else does it. I, I want to get into one more thing before uh, we get into your feature this week mm-hmm. um, on the the dragon and Renton, which I'm very excited about. Okay. Um, you can see pictures of that that we've, we've that we've tweeted out as well, and I'm sure that we'll we'll post more links once this episode goes live. So the reboot of Hellboy comes out this weekend. And also this weekend, uh, Game of Thrones begins the final season. In a couple weeks after that, um, actually, the same weekend as the finale to Game of Thrones, so six weeks from now, 
uh, we get Avengers Endgame. And last weekend, we had Shazam. Yeah. Now, Thrones and Avengers have just swallowed up all of the attention from everything else. Like, I forgot that Hellboy was coming out until I saw a tweet about it, and I was like, ooh, I'm going to buy tickets. And I have bought tickets for that, but I haven't bought tickets for Endgame. Miss me with all of the Endgame fervor. I'm so over. I'm so over this movie before it's even come out. It's really. I'm so exasperated by this entire thing and like the actors like going on their interview tours, but being so coached up about what they're allowed to say and not say. And like, hey, are you in this movie? I don't know. Like that kind of just that kind of BS that you have this gigantic cast that are not allowed to say anything but you're forcing them to go do press for this thing anyway i have a theory it sucks let me let me let me let me this know. entire th- like this entire thing it all comes back to my core complaint about the avengers movies mm-hmm. which is that they're more successful in terms of a marketing success than a creative success okay or even an entertainment success cuz I, I i don't like any of the avengers movies Interesting. They're very clearly like not the best Marvel movies. You, you and I disagreed, I think, on the last Avengers movie, uh, Infinity War. It was the only one that I actually thought I did like. The other ones, I it's had the best one of the three, right, but it's right. I still would not ever rewatch it. So, here's what I think is going because I don't think you're the only person feeling this way. Yeah, and I'm I, fatigued I, by this thing. Fatigue was exactly the word I was going for because here's the deal: it's we've been running this race for like in a marathon. Like a marathon mm-hmm. race for ten years, more than ten years now. Yeah, two thousand eight was almost Man, twelve. Right? right. So here we are trying to like run this, and we've had some losses. You know, we've had an Iron Man too, the Thor films, in my opinion. So definitely Dark World. So we've had some like losses, and then we've had some gains, and we had some good films. You know, we've had some Black Panther. You know, now we're at the point where it's like, okay, finally we're here, and it's almost like. Gosh, I feel like I've already I've been running for nearly twelve years now or so, you know, just trying to keep up with this and like I'm just kind of over it at this point, you know. And now we're getting news stories about how the internet's breaking because people are trying to buy tickets and all that. It's almost like I think there are some people out there that might be a little bit just kind of over it at this point. I'm not one of them, but we also just really, saw Captain Marvel. Like, couldn't right. this this thing come out in like June instead? I don't need mm. Captain Marvel, Shazam, Hellboy, Avengers, all in the span of like two months. Here's the thing. I think they needed to do it because obviously there's a very strong lead-in from Captain Marvel into the Avengers. You're already essentially giving away a big plot point already. Yeah. And I, I think wonder people how are many people saw Captain Marvel through kind of a an, an obligation of like well I, I gotta watch this one before I watch the next one I think well I think a lot yeah there was a clear talking point that Captain Marvel is is not necessarily a uh, Avengers film I guess I say mm-hmm. like you don't have to watch it but it is very clearly going to be tied into what happens in Endgame I think there's a reason they release this film in between those because Captain Marvel is going to play a much more pivotal role oh, yeah, in how the salute, whatever the solution is, um, than than you know if she wasn't there, like she has to be planted in there. Um, I think that's part of the surprise. So yeah, I think that's why people went to see Captain Marvel. You know, well, not the only reason why, but one of the reasons why they went to it. And now we get Endgame, 
And I don't want to wait till June, man. I just want to see. My, I want to see. I'd wait till game. next year. I'm not ready for another Avengers movie. <laughs> Tell you what, you don't watch it. I will go watch it for the both of us. Should we do that? Should we do it? Should we seriously like maybe I just don't watch this one? Are you are you really going to be able to do that? I mean, able to? Yes, I can absolutely not watch this movie. How about you don't watch it until you are able to watch it at home with bathroom breaks? Okay. Which is probably only going to be do like it, two man. months or something. If you challenge me, I will do this. Are you I'll serious? Have, I'll, like, cause, I feel like I'm robbing you, know you of this. I don't care about spoilers, so if the thing gets spoiled for me before I ever watch it, I'm fine with that. Okay. I feel like I shouldn't challenge you to this. I feel like you should watch it. <laughs> uh, I haven't bought tickets yet. Do you want me to push you? you maybe we should. Me? Maybe we should pull the listeners. Okay. We will put out when this show comes out. Should I skip on a Thursday? Endgame? We will put out a poll. <laughs> should Nick skip Endgame? And then should we have just a follow-up episode where Nick is completely oblivious to whatever happens in the show? <laughs> that actually would be kind of fun. Yeah. We'll bring in like our movie reviewer friends and it'll be like, "Okay, so who really dies in this one?" Yeah. All right, well, that that sounds like a plan. We'll put that out when they actually do this on Thursday. Okay, cool. All right, well let's uh, let's let's uh, wait no longer. Let's get into your piece about the a brand new fantastical beast, in our very own Renton, Washington. Inspiration can strike when you least expect it, and such is the story of Renton's downtown rooftop dragon that now peers over Well Street. I think it was more just because I love dragons than anything. (laughs) That's Marsha Rollinger. She's a member of Renton's Arts Commission. Now, about three years ago, Marsha and a few others on the commission, they were hunting around downtown for a public art opportunity. And at the time, they were trying to convince city leaders that they needed more funding. Like, okay, let's look around downtown and come up with potential projects we could do that could show them if we had more funding, you know, we could execute much larger projects. And that's when it happened. Inspiration. They were hanging out in a coffee shop on the corner of 3rd Street and Wells. Marsha stared at this building across the street. Wasn't anything too imposing, just an old brick building, and frankly, it's seen more than 100 years. Perhaps a couple earthquakes. I mean, the building's sound. It just has, there's old scars. There was a crack that was repaired at the top. It looked like something hit the building from the top pretty hard. Marsha took a photo of that building and started photoshopping some options for the council, just as an example. But there was really only one idea that she liked as an example. I love dragons. I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons. A dragon, and a big one, as if the beast was causing the building to sink into the ground. Renton's pretty diverse. We have dragons in almost every culture, and Wizards of the Coast is headquartered in Renton, so it just seemed like a dragon made the most sense. The whole downtown core right now is pretty nerd-centric as far as there's the Comic Hut, Game Explosion, D-Pad Gaming. There's a lot of geek-oriented things. So Marsha headed down to City Hall with the dragon mock-up, shuffled into a handful of other public art options. It was just supposed to be a demonstration, but at the end of our presentation, uh, council member Randy Corman's like, hey, we need to make this dragon happen. That kicked off a three-year journey to construct a giant rooftop dragon for downtown Renton. Western Neon, a Seattle sign company, helped with the metalwork and the lighting because Dragons gotta light up after all. And just this past week, 
the dragon slowly began to perch on its new nest, but it will officially be welcomed into the community Saturday with a grand dragon lighting along with a few other events. So it's just a bunch of fun activities for nerds. <laughs> Us fellow nerds. That's really cool. I didn't know that this was Western Neon doing this project until I heard your piece and, and read your piece as well. on. Uh... For those who are unaware... What is Western Neon? Western Neon is uh, this this company that's behind a lot of the iconic neon that you see uh, in Seattle and around this region as well. I've actually followed them on Instagram for quite some time because they, they just make cool signs and stuff. Like uh, the big Rainier R that you see mm-hmm. from the uh, from the highway. They're the ones who, who um, restored that and put that back up on the old Rainier building. They've also done... Um, Rachel's Ginger Beer, if you're down in like Pike Place Market or uh, Capitol Hill or wherever else they have locations, they do the neon signs for Rachel's Ginger Beer. Um, Cafe Vita in Capitol Hill as well. The um, They have the, uh, what's the name of that clown? Pagliacci? Yeah, from the opera, um, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the clown on their logo. Pagliacci, Pagliacci. I've never actually interrogated that at all, but... I am not that clown logo for Cafe Vita. Yeah, I am <laughs> they did, opera They did ignorant. that cool neon sign for that. Yeah, I'm also, I don't know why I brought... I don't know why I tried to name that clown. Just call him. <laughs> don't play that game. Jeff, name that clown. Jeff um, the clown. But yeah, they do. They do a bunch of like the cool um, neon and other lighting projects as well. Like if you ever go to the KEXP studios, the KEXP signs that are lit up with like that cool yellow uh, kind of amber backlighting. It's a very striking logo uh, when lit that way. That's another Western neon, Western neon project. And yeah, they just make really cool stuff and I, I like their their design aesthetic they're, they're a cool Instagram follow when as well, you say design aesthetic they really are artists um, when you, oh yeah when you see the uh, background of them actually welding this thing together and creating like a wire mesh to create the head um, and then this this thing lights up in two different colors as far as the I dragon know. the dragon yeah um, I'm very by remote control <laughs> someone at City Hall gets to hold the remote control oh, and they're just gonna cool. leave it on for like I guess ever they're not gonna turn it off yeah um, but yeah, the, uh, the one... and you can check out some of the pictures we've retweeted, like links with pictures and whatnot yeah. that you can check out as well. The one thing that, uh, I found super cool about this is that I did not prompt her, um, to say any of this. Rawlings. Yeah, Rawlings. Yeah. Um, sorry, Rollinger. Um. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. The, the thing that, no, it's okay. Cause, uh, I typed it out as a typo once and then I did the same thing. So Rollinger. I did not prompt her to say uh, geek or uh, nerd, you know, somebody mm-hmm. for us nerds. I did not do any. She did that on her own. She knew that w- one. I uh, So in full disclosure, this was a, a feature I originally did for Cairo Radio in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wrote it up for their website. Um, and then I'm replaying it for you here because this is where the nerds are. Um, but she didn't really know much. She knew that I was going to do it for the other folks. I didn't really mention much about Northwest Nerd. Um so she just kind of did that on her own. So she didn't really know that. I, I think that goes into my argument that... This is one of my favorite takes of yours. Renton is the nerdiest downtown of any city in the United, uh, United States. Maybe in the United States. <laughs> I mean, yeah. In the Northwest. Go big, man. In the sure, world. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell me why. Give me, give me like a top, top three reasons. I'll give you more. Than the top, dragon I'll is allowed to be one reason. of them. Yeah. The drag. Okay. Well, dragon. Just for starters, now. Okay. So we yeah. got that. The building the dragon is on top of is is a independent, 
comic book shop. And, you know, those aren't mm-hmm. thriving as well as they once did. Um, in Seattle, some have converted into uh, nonprofits. Just keep going. Say, Dragon on top of a comic book shop. You have two, two retro video game stores in downtown Renton within blocks of each other. Mm-hmm. You have an 8-bit arcade that has some pretty good pinball down there too, but an 8-bit arcade, a sci-fi-themed pizza shop. Then down the street, you have Wizards of the Coast, which, you know, Helms, Dungeons and & Dragons, and Magic of the Gathering. And the city has its own Comic-Con, Rencon. So... Very nerdy community, I think, that's going on. Side note, I think, you know, Boeing is also there. And I don't care who you are. You put engineers into a room, you're going to have a lot of Star (laughs) Trek fans. So (laughs) I I feel that there is a very, you know, nerd-centric community going on, or she said geek-centric. I didn't prompt her to say that. She just is involved in the local downtown business and arts community. She sees what she sees. She sees what she sees, and it's a very, like, nerdy downtown. And the fact that you could go to a landlord that building's painted pretty quirky, by the way. You go to a landlord of that building and say, I want to put a dragon on top of it, and they're like, hell yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, that's a nice. That's a pretty nice attitude that you kind of have. So yeah, I think it goes to that argument that I've been making. I I don't want people to go there and feel that you're going to go to like the Disneyland of nerd, but you know, for a downtown stretch amid like a floral you know, store and a cheese shop, and then uh, we went to a Mexican slash Indian restaurant at yeah, one point. Yeah, that was a trip. Um, you know, interspersed with all that, you're gonna find these little hot spots of nerd, and I think that's pretty cool. This is this is one of my favorite things about doing this podcast because I hadn't spent much time in Renton until we started doing Northwest Nerd, mm-hmm. and it's opening my eyes to communities like that, which is so fun about doing the show. Like not just Renton, but also your your spotlights on other like nerdiest places in fill in the blank. Um, has been just so much fun to see that. Not only are our nerd properties doing well at the box office and and doing well, like just in the economy, the geek economy, would you say? <laughs> yeah, the geek economy, but it's happening at community levels. Like, how do you have a community that can support two vintage video game shops? That <laughs> yeah. is so amazing. Like, one of the shops is pretty cool. Uh, well, one of them is uh, a guy named Emilio, who I know, uh, who runs that. Uh, very uh, D-pad game. Yeah, D-pad. Shout out D-pad. Very good. The other one uh, also sells like records and old tapes mm-hmm. and CDs, which I always love doing. And then there's also like a Super Nintendo or something like that going on there too. And I think you can also get guitar lessons there. It's a pretty good <laughs> shop that's very eclectic. I'm just waiting for you to tell me one day. You're like, Nick, uh, by the way, I'm moving to Renton. I'd like to. I know point, you do. You know, I would I like to live to. under the dragon. <gasps> Because those are apartments. There. The dragon's lair. Uh, Marsha was telling me that uh, they talked to the person who's going to live under the tail, and they're actually pretty excited that their window gets to be under part of like. Oh, that's yard. cool. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, new nerd feature. Um, we're publishing this on Thursday. The event, the grand lighting of the dragon, happens on um, on Saturday. So you know, short-lived time for this advertisement, but you should go down there. They're going to have a local uh, glass-blowing artist has made some glass dragon eggs. They're going to hide those all oh, around downtown. Cool. It's going to be live music. I'm pretty sure there's going to be Game of Thrones cosplayers going on. <laughs> um, hey, Brian. And there's going to be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I told them Shafira should show up. Um, the uh, the thing that I think is cool about this, and this is what I uh, I wanted to ask you, the one question, there will be a naming... 
uh, oh, event. Yeah. Oh. I don't know about a contest. I'm glad but, you brought but this up. But there's a naming aspect to this, uh, the festivities on Saturday. They're going to be collecting name suggestions for the dragon. I have a couple that I think are pretty darn good. Oh, one of them's good. The other one, nobody agrees with me on. Interesting. So, um, but yeah. What See, would... when I heard this, I went the other way. I was like, it better not be a whatever Mick whatever face. Dragon McDragon face. Yes. <laughs> so lazy. You know it's what? Not Just name funny. it Bodie McBoatface. Not Just funny. name the dragon Bodie McBoatface. It wasn't funny when I did it to the boat. It's not funny now. Like I kind of like the. Boat. Come on. I did like the boat. Um. I think we just, gave... av- just avoid those ones. So we'll just oh, get this out of the way. I co- think give it a cool name. I think with Game of Thrones happenings, the final season, a very strong connection. Just go with Daenerys. You know, just throw that out there. Mother of Dragons, and and just maybe go that route. I think it's a, a strong, you know, support yeah. for that. You know, what what would you name it? Uh, Rentor. Rentor. <laughs> because it's in rented. And it sounds I feel like a like dragon a name. Rental, if you put a, a rental put a shop the... should be underneath it. <laughs> like rent a tux underneath a rental. Well, I mean, the, the, there are renters who live underneath it, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Rentor is good. That, ma- that makes me think of uh, what, was the, what was the Godzilla thing that was in uh, Rugrats? Reptar. Reptar? Yeah. Reptar would be a good one. Rentor. Rentor. I like it. Okay. So here's here's the it's one. It's also I, very lazy, but I like it. It's, it's so easy to remember. Here's the one I'm really gunning for. Okay. Okay, you ready for this? I think they should name it Felicia. Felicia the Dragon. Stick with me now. Okay. Everybody's giving me a weird look. I think I know where you're going with this, but we'll see. Because you're driving a yep, little bit out go. of the there downtown. <laughs> I knew that's what you're gonna do. You're driving out of town, whether you're on Wells or Third, and so when you're doing that, everybody can say when they're leaving Renton. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Are you a Friday fan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did not know this about you. This is interesting. I, I actually, I think, I, I think I'm, I'm probably just like a Chris Tucker fan in general. <laughs> um, but yeah, bye, oh, Felicia. Man. I will say, uh, I'm glad somebody laughed at that and thought it was cool. I told that to uh, G, who we both know. This might be like inside knowledge, but he didn't like the bye Felicia joke. He ended the segment right there. We are talking about him like bye Felicia. And he's like, all right, that's it. This is Cairo nights, everybody. And then just like cut it out and kicked me out of the studio. But anyway, Tucker head. Yeah. Bye Felicia. I think that would be a great, great dragon name. And Felicia, the dragon just sounds like your buddy. in town. It does sound kind of nice. Yeah. That's all we have for this week. If you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed to the show and you give us five stars if you feel so inclined on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook. You can also follow us on any of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can just find us by searching for NW Nerd on any of those platforms. Shout out to the Hoot Hoots for our awesome theme music. And thank you again to Kevin McLeod as well for the music in Dyer's piece. And thank you also to Marsha Rollinger for being in that piece with Dyer. Uh, just, just great tape. We really couldn't have asked for any better. She was a great guest. Don't forget, starting next week, we are doing our six straight weeks of Game of Thrones content. We will be taking a break from our magazine and roundtable uh, platform and instead just doing six straight weeks of Game of Thrones because it's the last season and it's our last opportunity to turn this into a Game of Thrones podcast. So with that, we will see you next week, nerds! Nerds!